You don't have to wait till you're in your car to hear what Cap and Jay Hood are talking about. Just tell your smart speaker to play ESPN 1000. So, the Live Tour, L-I-V Tour, yes. which is backed by oil money from Saudi Arabia. We're talking billions. Billions mm-hmm. with a B. They gave $200 million to Phil Mickelson. They gave 125 to Dustin Johnson, 125 to Bryson DeChambeau. Brooks Kepka got $125 million. Guaranteed. Tiger turned down. Turned down a billion dollars. Well, apparently... So people came to Jay Monahan, the head of the PGA, a few months ago. Mm-hmm. Said this thing's real. Here's we've got someone willing to put up five hundred million dollars. Going to create some different kinds of tournaments that the elite players want, and we could crush this live thing before it starts. And he went, yeah, whatever, not a big deal, to us. Right. Well, now they may lose their tour. Here's Bob Herrig. On the Spain and Fitz show last night, Bob is a very well-known golf writer on exactly what is going on. Some of what they're doing they had planned to do all along, and I think maybe perhaps now they're speeding some of it up. But basically they're, they're pumping more money into a bunch of purses starting next year and, and also going to some tournaments that will have smaller fields, no cuts, which basically is a way of guaranteeing money to the players who get in those tournaments. And, you know, that's sort of the crux of, of how the whole live golf thing even was able to get to this point. There's been this sense that golfers should get some sort of guaranteed compensation regardless of how they perform. And, you know, this is another way of doing it. Of course, you still have to be good enough to get in these events. So if they were going to do these things anyway... Why would you be so dismissive of Liv? Mm-hmm. Why? If you're the PGA? Yes. Well, because they are coming Arrogance? in. Well, they're coming in as the rival. As you well know, Cap, it's like it's like having two or three sports radio stations in the market. If you're the if you're a station you feel like, okay, you're number one, what's this other station coming in to compete? Rock stations, the same thing in our business. Why why are they why are there two or three? Because the the number one station feels like, hey, you know, what's this other station doing? You know, it's, it's about competition. Mm-hmm. That's why. I mean, the PGA looks at Liv and says, wait, you're taking our golfers? So you can understand why the PGA would feel a little bit salty that Liv comes in with all their money and taking their bread and butter. Because the PGA did not want competition. They've been holding it up as, uh, as the head of golf for many years. And now another golf company comes in. Another tour comes in? Of course you know they'd be salty about that. The New York Post reported exclusively in February that three high-level PGA Tour players, along with a deep-pocketed investor, made a proposal to the head of the PGA, Jay Monahan, that would have eliminated the threat of the Saudi-backed tour. According to three independent sources, two of which were players with intimate knowledge of the proposal, the PGA Tour squashed the alternative concept. It was presented to Monaghan in October, consisted of an eight-event team series featuring the top players in the sport that would be blended into the existing PGA Tour schedule, but it would eliminate some of the complaints from guys like Rory and Dustin Johnson. We want to play against the very, very best, not just week to week. All right, we're at the John Deere, we're at the this one, we're at the that. 
but, and more money at stake. I think the thing that I want to dig in with you with, regarding this topic is, is, is the PGA feeling like they need to compete against Liv. Now, you mentioned a couple days ago that there could be a possibility that Liv could like this and do this for a while and say, okay, we're going to move our business venture to do something else. Why does the, the PGA feels threatened because Liv is around? But does the PGA have to compete against Liv? Do they have to? What well, else? What else can they do? All they could do is showcase the best golf possible. But if they're losing all the best players, you'll still watch, though, Cap. I'll watch any golf because I enjoy it. But I'm in the minority. You're not Jonathan Hood, Shay, Jr., or some man or woman in their car right now going to work. Huh? It's. Um, Pick two great golfers. Brooks Kepka against yeah. Rory. It's down to the back nine at wherever. Yeah. They might tune it in. Yeah. I'm, Tiger against Phil. I'm definitely locked in on the majors, always. But if you hear it's Bob Jones against, you know, Emo, whatever, and you go, who? Never heard of it. Eh, whatever. I'm out. I got other things. Go. You got to keep the best players, and they're losing a lot of the best players and more to go. Well, I mean,. What can the PGA Tour do? What can the PGA do? What can Monaghan do? I know he's trying to save his job as a commissioner of the PGA Tour, but, I mean, what what can you do? If Brooks Kepka and Phil Mickelson and Dustin Johnson and DeChambeau, if they feel like that they're being able to get more money, you're going to go across the street. If if Burger King is offering more than McDonald's and you work at McDonald's, you're going to go to Burger King, right? Because you go to the one that's paying you the most. Mm-hmm and give you the best opportunity to get paid. Like I had said to you when this first was coming up, we did it on the air. Would I take the money? And I said, oh, boy, I hope I didn't want to have to take money from the Saudis. And then my, I talking to my wife, and I've talked to others. And they're like, dude, our government does business with them. Who are you to be so high and mighty that you wouldn't take the money? And the more I thought about it, I'm like, someone's going to offer me 10 times what I'm making now? Yeah. And they're going to guarantee it for X number of years? Yes. My responsibility, first and foremost, is to Mindy and my kids. Right. And if someone's going to solidify my future, yeah, I I guess I would take the money. I see that nearly 2,500 survivors of families killed during 9-11 have had an open letter to the PGA Tour thanking them for staying loyal to the PGA and not going over to live. Cap, you know, there's it's going to be issues. People are going to be on both sides of this conversation. Correct. And I understand that the families of the survivors, uh, for those that perished in 9-11, would feel a certain way about the Saudi Arabia and how Saudi Arabia uh, bankrolled this golf series. But, again... Why is it up to the golfers to be the moral... Uh, arbiters of of this, though, why is it up to golfers to have to take the moral stand? They're just doing what's right for their family. Well, you know, the, there are those that will look at that and say it's from Saudi Arabia. Why would you take that money based on what happened in nine eleven? And the whole thing is, is that a golfer, just like Cap said, has to take care of his family. He's he, they're professional golfers. You go to the highest bidder. That's what they're doing right now. They're taking the money. Here's the thing. I don't have I don't cast a shadow on any of those guys who are going over to live. You want to do that? You want if that's best for your family? I have no problem with that. None. I'm here with my family. But on top of that though, when it comes to the PGA, Thanks, just Brian. just because Kepka and Mickelson and Dustin Johnson are gone, if there's a major cap, I'm still going to watch. Mm-hmm. Live Tour is not going to stop me from watching the majors from the PGA. 
Great point. Great point, Hoodie. We were just talking last weekend when Matt Fitzpatrick hit that great shot out of the bunker cap. You and I were talking about how great it was. Mm -hmm. Did you know who he was before that moment? I knew the name because I followed golf. I didn't. I I had no idea who he was. It was still a great watch. It was a great watch. Now, now here's the thing, Cap. We'll watch the live tournament to see what's going on as far as storylines. But if there's just people out of nowhere from the PGA Tour, I mean, we may not talk about it here, but we'll know about it because we're talking about the best of the best. And they're starting to go over the PGA Tour. But if something happens in one of the majors, I'm definitely going to watch because that's what I'm conditioned to. I'm a PGA guy. If, if I'm going to be watching golf, I'll be watching that. And you'll try to watch both, of course. I will. Yeah, I'm going to watch. I want to watch the best players. I do. You're a live guy now. No, I'm a PGA guy, but I will watch <laughs> all of it. But of all your guys that you really enjoy, like I love Dustin Johnson. God, who wouldn't want that swing? Who wouldn't want that swing? It's a perfect swing. I mean, so you, I mean, if the best of the best are playing at Live, maybe you won't be watching the PGA as much anymore. It's a great, qu- are great you gonna, point. Are you going to switch over? Uh, I'll determine it on a week-by-week basis. The best of the best is at Live. If you have guys that you don't know. If you start betting on Live Tour, that's where the things get get kind of murky. Is people st- if like The thing we keep hearing from the PGA golfers, the guys who have been quote-unquote loyal to the PGA, like Rory, I want to play in the biggest tournaments against the biggest competition. Well, if all the biggest competition goes to Live, suddenly that context flips a little bit. It does. No question. Let's get to Rich and Lombard. Hey, Rich, what's up, man? Cat Hoodie, what do you say, boys? How you guys doing? How are you Rich? doing? Thank you. I, I'm good, real good. It's a nice day out here, man. Listen, I want to just talk, see if this has any relevance to the situation. The Royal and Ancient invented golf on the north coast of Scotland back in the mid to late 1700s. The PGA's inception was in the late 1800s, which was direct competition to the Royal and Ancient. They saw a you know, a market, a game, they got money from, you know, investors naturally, not what the money is today, but isn't it kind of like what these live people are doing? Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not a big fan of this live business because it's only 54 holes, no cut. That's not golf to me, per se, but because I'm in tune with, you know, the PGA and what have you. But isn't this like the natural, like, is it, do you guys see a correlation in there at all as far as like what happened to the PGA's inception? as opposed to the Royal and Ancient, and now these live people trying to get their feet wet, you know, trying to wet their beak, per se, and trying to, you know, like, make another tour. You know you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. yeah. The PGA, yeah. all of a sudden, they got a stranglehold, but you're right. The RNA, they had one design on golf, and the PGA took it to an entirely different level. Absolutely, that's what I'm saying, and I'm thinking that, I mean, it's in its infancy, this live gig, you know, and I get it. You know, when you got billions of dollars, you got, you know, F you money like you guys talk about. But if they don't expand and make it into a whole program and all-inclusive or have you, you know, despite, you know, the, the country of origin and everything like that, I don't see it. I, I think it's something that's going to fail sooner than later. You know, you know what I mean? It's gonna They're committing a lot of money to a lot of dudes. They, yeah, they are, and like you said, these guys are going overseas and everything. But you got to take one thing into consideration: Mickelson and Kepka and a couple of these other guys badmouthed them pretty bad in the press, and now all of a sudden they're in their pocket. And I get it, you know, they 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 gave them the money, they showed them some green, so they did what they did. That's just you know, I don't like it when they jump around a little bit. These people cut their teeth in America on the PGA yeah, tour. Yeah, I, I get know? it. But when you and we appreciate the call, Rich. Right, Have thanks. a great Thank rest you. of your week, day. man. You too, man. Uh, real quick, let's get Will in. When you're talking about that kind of money, yeah. it's understandable. Hey, Will. 
Hey guys, I was just you know listening and I started thinking about how this reminds me of when AEW first came out. Kind of a wrestling nerd here, yeah. But uh, it was just kind of it's it's still wrestling. It's just different, you know. I watched it for a little while. It wasn't really my cup of tea. I still follow it, but I watch WWE every week. But it's just kind of different. I don't. I mean, I I get why people wouldn't want to watch, but I think to each their own. And if you like golf and you want to watch a different style, why not watch? It's interesting you mentioned that. We appreciate the telephone call. Yeah, thanks. So, yeah, so a perfect example is pro wrestling. And I'll be doing Good Karma Wrestling tonight at 6 o'clock. You can watch it at ESPN 1000 on Twitter and on YouTube at Good Karma Wrestling. So if you're a wrestling fan, go to ESPN 1000 on Twitter. You can be able to watch our broadcast there at 6 o'clock. Um, he talks about the WWE as being the the number one wrestling company in the, in the universe, Cap. Not necessarily just United States, but in the world. And then here comes All Elite Wrestling, which we've talked about before. They're a partner with us. All Elite Wrestling comes along, uh, bankrolled by Tony Khan's dad, Tony Khan's dad, uh, Shad Khan. Who owns the Jaguars. Yeah. So his son now runs All Elite Wrestling. It's an alternative. And people are interested in that alternative. And the same thing here with, with Liv. It's an alternative to the PGA. And as we just heard from Rich from Lombard earlier, it's, an, it's a different type of golf. He says it's not really golf, but it's different than the PGA. And so from Liv's standpoint, there's three things they look at. Better than, different than, less than. And so what they're trying to do is try to be different than the PGA. They're getting the best golfers so they can have people to come watch their event. And I totally understand. You understand why, so, right? Yeah, it's a great point, the yeah. way you put it. Best than, better than, less than, greater than. All right. <laughs> That's what Liv's trying to do. Roger Goodell spoke to Congress yesterday. Got to be a little bit messy. We'll go around the National Football League next. David Kaplan. Jonathan Hood. This is Cap and Jay Hood. Follow on Twitter at, 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 at Cap J Hood. On ESPN 1000. And the ESPN Chicago app. app. Nickball sucks. He sucks. I'm just a fan. I'm not a football evaluator. I love the Green Bay Packers. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. This is not Detroit, man. This is the Super Bowl. I want winners. He starts to come and he pulls out. This is a really thickly built guy. I mean, what's the answer you're looking for on these things here? Every day, we go around the national. Football League, and yesterday, Roger Goodell, the commissioner, was asked to appear in Congress, and Dan Snyder was also asked to appear, the owner of the Washington Commanders, after a very intense, lengthy investigation showed so much misconduct in his organization, and uh, Carolyn Maloney from who's in Congress. Mm -hmm. She said, we invited Mr. Snyder, but he apparently is out of the country on his yacht. They are now going to subpoena him. Here's Carolyn Maloney first about the Snyder invite. We also invited Daniel Snyder to testify today. But rather than show up and take responsibility for his actions, he chose to skip town. Apparently, Mr. Snyder is in France where he has docked his luxury yacht near a resort town. That should tell you just how much respect he has for women in the workplace. Goodell was then asked about Daniel Snyder. 
I have not seen a workplace in the NFL um, that is anywhere near what we saw in the context of that period of time for the Washington Commanders. Yes or no, are you willing to do more? Yes, of course I'm willing to do more. I never said that we were going to stop. I actually said the opposite. But we you will have the authority continue. to recommend that Dan Snyder be removed as a team owner. Okay, the, you the, can the, recommend the that Dan Snyder be removed time as has a team expired. Owner. The gentleman may answer her question. Your time has expired. You may answer her question. Should Dan Snyder I, be I removed? I think I'm good. Remove him. Will you remove him? I don't have the authority to remove him, Congresswoman. Finally, here is Kimberly A. Martin of ESPN. She worked there. What's it like working with Daniel Snyder? I used to cover this team back in 2018. And my introduction to Dan Snyder, I was told, do not look at him if you see him in the hallway. Do not speak to him. Mm. He does not speak. He's like that with his employees as well. So none of this actually surprises me. My question, though, is how much more do we have to hear? We had the New York Times cheerleading story. We had the Washington Post, multiple uh, Washington Post stories. And now we have this memo detailing him intimidating witnesses, alleging that he's intimidated witnesses. And um, and it's not surprising, unfortunately. And Roger Goodell said something I found interesting. It's the one thing that we can we know for a shadow of a doubt is true. He does not have the authority to remove him. Mm. So my question is for the owners, the other 32 owners, what is the tipping point for you? Because Washington wants us to understand that things are better with Dan Snyder taking a back seat. But clearly with him at the head, there are still issues from the past that keep being dragged into the public forum right now. And that's where this team is. Yeah, I would say, Cap, that when the owners came together, they probably should get Snyder out of there based on all the stories that we heard out of Washington. It's amazing that Ron Rivera has taken this job. And ultimately, when I think about the commanders, I think of Ron first because he seems like more of a leader than the actual owner of the team. So when Ronnie came in there, I was told he one of his requirements was, you're not around. I'm going to clean this thing up. And Snyder has acquiesced those controls. But things were so awful there for so long. Mm-hmm. You heard Kimberly A. Martin's report. You're not to make eye contact with him. Don't look at him. Don't say hello to him as he passes. Really? Really? Yeah. That's insane. For those that have not seen the story, this is a 29-page memo that alleges that Snyder tried to discredit people accusing him and other team executives of misconduct and also tried to influence an investigation of a team conducted for the NFL by Wilkinson's firm. we got to go back to that story as well. There's a lot that's gone there. There's phones, phone logs, there's emails, call transcripts. It's a lot of evidence. It is unbelievable that people would literally think, don't look me in the eye. I'm better than... Really? I don't get it. Well, now Goodell says, and I think that was very telling in this testimony, or him saying that I don't have the authority to remove him. He has the ear of the owners. This can happen. Probably will happen. What do you think? I have to know more about the protocol of how you get... Like, how did they get rid of Don Sterling? Yeah. And are the rules the same? Here's Goodell again when he was asked about Snyder. I have not seen a workplace in the NFL um, that is anywhere near what we saw in the context of that period of time for the Washington Commanders. Yes or no, are you willing to do more? 
Yes, of course I'm willing to do more. I never said that we were going to stop. I actually said the opposite. But we you will have the authority to recommend that Dan Snyder be removed as a team owner. Okay, the, you the, can the, recommend the that Dan Snyder be removed time has expired. Owner. The gentleman may answer her question. Your time has expired. You may answer her question. Should Dan Snyder I, be I removed? I think I'm good. Remove him. Will you remove him? I don't have the authority to remove him, Congresswoman. I don't have the authority to remove him. Yeah. But you got to think, and again, you got to follow, you got to be so careful that you don't violate any types of, of the bylaws in the NFL um, covenants when you buy a team. Yeah. But boy, oh boy, you're telling me that he can't get George McCaskey on the phone and this guy on the phone. All right, we're going to push to get this guy out, but I need to know we've got the votes. I think that they will, though. I think that they can get a majority vote to get him out of his seat as an owner of the NFL. Last thing you want is to have someone that's a stain on the on on football. And if all these stories are true and everything, all the evidence that they found on Daniel Snyder uh, within the Washington organization, you got to replace him with someone else. Hey, it happened with Jerry Richardson with Carolina, didn't it? It did. Yeah. The only thing he is he wanted to make sure his statue was still out there. <laughs> and I think they eventually they removed that too. Yeah, the Carolina Jack came down. Yeah, Carolina. Yeah. By the I'm, way, with, between this and Deshaun Watson, the NFL just needs a win on something like this. It seems so easy for Goodell to pick up the phone, call some of these owners, and be like, "Hey, this is this is a pretty simple one, guys." Yeah, but there's got to be a process that has to be followed. It has to be. Yeah. How about uh, the passing of Tony Siragusa? Very sad. 55 years of age mm-hmm. and died in his sleep. Yep. Very, very sad. He was a, I had him in studio down the dial years ago. He was a hilarious dude. Mm-hmm. Hilarious. And didn't he start his own rib company? I believe that's the case. I think he did. I just remember him as a big time personality when he played and then went off the field. Remember, Fox went with the three-man booth, but Siragusa was stalking the sidelines. He was the guy on the field talking to players and giving his insight from the field. Again, just big, bright personality, Siragusa, and sad to see him pass away. Actually, after the Fox deal, I hadn't heard from Siragusa at all. I don't know where he was after after it was a broadcaster with Fox. Yeah, he was the only guy... They called him the goose. Mm-hmm. He was the only guy who had his mic always hot. Yes. Like he could go on at any time. Normally it's, all right, let's go to the field. Here's Aaron Andrews or whoever. He could just chime in whenever he wanted. And he, I thought he was really good at mm-hmm. it. So I don't know if he was having health issues. All I know is uh, he leaves behind three children. I think he had just gotten divorced. I'm not sure. I know he was married once. Part of that uh, great uh, Super Bowl team with Ray Lewis. So Tony Saragusa passing away. Sad yeah. day for the Ravens Correct. yesterday. They also lost cornerback Jalen or linebacker Jalen Ferguson, twenty six. Mm-hmm. The team announced he passed suddenly. Yeah, I mean brutal. Yeah, it's tough. Brutal, brutal, brutal. So, uh, and, and we're keeping our eyes on the DeAndre Hopkins situation. Uh, still investigating uh, and uh, finding out what's going to happen with him, Cap. I'm still holding firm that they're not that he's not going to play this year. I just don't know how Goodell is going to rule after all of this is done. So we've got a lot of drama going on in the NFL. We're waiting on a trade of Baker Mayfield. Now the Seahawks reportedly have some interest, not just the Panthers. So 
Uh, still a lot of stuff going on. And is Robert Quinn closer to home going to be a bear when training camp begins or when the season starts? Uh, 312-332-3776. Bears question. Who's more likely to be a starter on week one, Robert Quinn or Braxton Jones? Starter for the Bears. For the Bears. Week one. That's a great question. I'm going to go with Robert Quinn. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm with Hoodie. Because if they were going to move him, they would have got the most at the draft. It's getting late now. Yeah. It's getting late. I mean, now, again, Von Miller got traded, and they got a lot back for him. Yeah. Like a two and a four, something mm-hmm. like that. Um, we'll see. Maybe somebody gets hurt, makes a team desperate. I just, I, as much as we've talked about the possibility of Robert Quinn being traded, I have a feeling that he'll still be a bear this season. Uh, 312-332-3776. Draft is tonight in the NBA. Adam Amin, our friend, voice of the Bulls, talks NBA draft with us next. Cap. Cap. J-Hood. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. Watch the show on Twitch. Follow ESPN 1000 Chicago. Bulls look for the win. DeRozan. To win it. DeRozan delivers! Feeds DeRozan. DeRozan. Pump fake for the win. Got it again! And the buzzer! DeMar delivers again! Our guy, Adam Amin, the soundtrack of our winter. And our Bulls were good this year. Mm-hmm. Yes, they didn't get where they wanted to get to, but it's a work in progress from where we were. It's Are you fun. Kidding? Punch was... clocks and all that nonsense. Yep. To that and get to listen to our guy Adam and Stacy. Come on, man. Uh, welcome back on Cap J Hood. The draft is tonight. And Adam, all I would like to do is pay attention and wake up this tomorrow morning and go, Oh my God, we got Kevin Durant. What do you think? <laughs> Let's see. I would love to know how that how that twists itself into a reality, my my friend. That'd be awesome, obviously. <laughs> but I don't. I, I can't even imagine the machinations it would take to get to that point. But listen, there there could be could there be something like that tonight? I don't know if it'll be tonight, but in the next three weeks, you know, when July first starts up and you get into the free agency discussions and. You know, does Detroit go out and take all of its dead cap space and make a move? Does Brooklyn decide that they want to break up what seemed to be kind of a failed experiment and and either sell off one of their main assets or formulate a trade? I don't know how much movement we're going to see tonight, but I feel like come July 1st, we might see a lot of movement. You know, Adam, I think that especially as of late, if you're one of these teams that could take advantage of an injury or two, you can get up there and win the conference. We saw that with the Celtics. There is conventional wisdom out there that says that if Middleton is healthy for the Bucks, maybe it's the Bucks against the Warriors. So I'll ask you this. How close do you think the Bulls roster is to, say, the Celtics, Heat, or Bucks? I still think they're, they're a couple of significant pieces away. And I think those pieces come in the form of uh, some wing depth, I think is necessary and somebody who can change them defensively, especially in the front court. And those are the two things that this team, assuming health across the rest of the roster, 
is still lacking right now. At least it feels that way based on the landscape we look at. The way Boston and – I mean, think about who was in the finals, right? It was Boston and Golden State. Mm-hmm. These are two of the best defensive teams in the NBA this year in terms of efficiency. And a lot of it had to do with if their perimeter defense didn't hold up on particular possessions, their back end was ready. And I feel like this is a Bulls team that went healthy last year. Their perimeter defense is, is right there. It, it, it could be borderline elite. You know, when Caruso and Ball are healthy, this was a team that, for that short period of time, you know, oh so long ago of, you know, 10 months or whatever it is, they looked like a team, you know, probably eight months, whatever it was now. It looked like a team that could stop just about anybody's dribble penetration, could break up most teams' pick-and-roll actions, could disrupt a lot of the flow of what other offenses were trying to do. And if that wasn't the case, on the rare occasions it felt like it wasn't, other guys, and, and I, I praise Nikola Vucevic for his defense, even though I know it doesn't feel like you know, he's an elite defender, and I'm not saying he is, but he had a career-high season in terms of shot blocking. And a lot of that just had to do with not having to cover as much ground when guys up front were able to win their matchups for the most part, and even in the moments where they didn't win, the ground to cover just felt like a lot less. So if all of a sudden you have somebody on the back end and it doesn't have to, you don't have to swing for the fences and go get Rudy Gobert. I'm saying if you get some strong wing depth on the defensive end, I feel like this is a team that defensively can come close to what we saw consistently from a team like a Boston, like a Miami, like a Milwaukee. And this wasn't Milwaukee's best defensive season compared to where they've been in years past. Uh, to, to a Golden State, to a Phoenix that, that gets a lot of steals and works really well out on the perimeter with guys like Bridges and Chris Paul. There there's still some significant pieces away, but I don't think those pieces are as out of reach as I thought maybe five months ago. Do you look at the game the way it's played today, and I know it's spread the floor, shoot the ball, I like Gobert. I don't want to give up Patrick Williams in the deal, especially if I'm taking 160 million in salary yep. commitments. But I don't think Hoodie is as big on Gobert as I am. Do you am feel not. like a big man like him still has a role in this league? It's hard because of what you talked about, Cap. It's it's the money that that he commands, uh, and and rightfully so. This this guy has been a defensive player of the year multiple times. He's in the top five in defensive win shares every single year. His impact on the defensive end cannot be overstated. And also look at what Utah did. Look how bad Utah's perimeter defense was this year, especially come playoff time where Dallas just ripped them apart out on the perimeter. And there was no help. And Gobert, there's only so much you can do. Gobert would be a great fit with the Bulls if you're looking at Caruso and Ball with guaranteed help, with Patrick Williams adding wing depth on the defensive end as well. This could be a very, very good, if not elite, defensive team with Gobert because of the fit. But is the money worth that to bring him in? And would Utah give him up for anything shy of Patrick Williams? I don't think that would be the case. I think they would demand a player like Patrick Williams. And I feel like this front office is very heavy on two-way talent. They really love Patrick Williams because of all of the things we saw flash-wise in the you know twenty some odd games he played between the regular season and postseason last year, the flashes that he showed showed this significant level of potential, and I feel like this front office 
really does like guys that play at both ends of the floor. And I don't know if Gobert gives you enough offensively to justify the amount of money that you'd have to pay defensively and the price that you'd have to give up in terms of a player like a Patrick Williams. So while I think the fit would be great in terms of on the court, I don't know if the numbers can hold up and if the personnel you'd have to give up for a player like Gobert matches what the philosophy of this team is. And, you know, to, to defend Hoodie here, too, I don't think you need to go get a Gobert to have a strong defensive team if you draft well and if your draft pick plays out well and if you can go out and in free agency or through a trade or a package of a pick or of a package of a player like, let's say, a Kobe White, you can go get a 3-and-D guy or get a capable backup center that plays strong, you know, a much better defensive end and has more of a focus on that side of the floor than anything else. So, uh, Adam, we've heard so many good things about Patrick Williams for someone that has not played a full season. You mentioned for the 20-plus games we saw, especially, okay, the Minnesota game was against backups for Minnesota, but sure. I, what, I, what I did like, his aggressiveness offensively. So, from what you've heard, is there a comp for what Patrick Williams could be? Because I've been telling Cap, if he's – Wiggins now, uh, Andrew Wiggins, or if he's if he maxes out to be Jimmy Butler, blossoms into a terrific two-way player, man, that's a real find right there. I think the ceiling, the very, very highest ceiling for Patrick Williams is Kawhi Leonard. That mm-hmm. is, and that, that, that's a long ways away. We're not close to that yet. And, and I think the, the problem sometimes that we have with comparison arguments is we expect, like let's say I'm saying, oh, his, his ceiling is Kawhi Leonard. We expect that to come within the next two years. Uh, Kawhi took a long time to get to that point. You know, it took three or four seasons to get to the point where he was making solid contributions come finals time. And that was with the tutelage of guys like Tim Duncan and Tony Parker and Manu Ginobili and Greg Popovich and, and the, the system that was created around him to get him to thrive. And it still took three or four seasons for that to happen. We, ha- we have this expectation, obviously, he's going into year three, and he's doing all the right things, right? He's, he's waking up right now. He's, he's been awake, I would say, for probably about three hours, maybe four hours at this point already, because mm-hmm. he and DeMar DeRozan have been getting up around 3.30 a.m. L.A. time to get up for workouts and for lifts and for all-day, you know, two-a-day sessions right now in L.A. working out. So... He's doing all the right things, but our expectation is, well, he's got to be that right now. I mean, we're, we're, if, if he hits his very highest ceiling, I think it would be in year five or six for a player like Patrick. Maybe if you get to year four and he's playing like that, play like that 14 version of Kawhi Leonard, you're thinking, oh, okay, well, now we've got something here. And that's absolutely fair. I think if you're looking at a Jimmy Butler type, great. That is, that is a huge get. Uh, and that's what you expect from a lottery pick, from a top-five pick. If you get a player like that, if you get Wiggins now and you see what the culture of Golden State did to a player like Andrew Wiggins and how it forced him to grow, and, and again, not having to be the number one option is certainly a benefit as well. You don't have that pressure on you, and Patrick Williams wouldn't have that pressure on him on a night-to-night basis here. But if you can take a leap now in year three, the way I think a lot of people expect, the way... It was described to him by DeMar DeRozan. DeRozan was very adamant that year three is one of the biggest growth years of a career because two years into the league, and even though, like you mentioned, Hoodie, he's not been healthy for for this second season, mm-hmm. year three is when you really have a, a better sense of your body, of what 
the nuance of a day-to-day schedule is like, what the nuance of a day-to-day plan is like, not only for your own rest and recovery, but for how to game plan for that particular day. How do you watch tape? You have a better sense for that come year two or uh, come year three after year two. And if we're expecting that jump and that jump comes, well, now we're looking at a much different player than just the guy who can toss in a a 30-point game against some backups. Now you're looking at a guy that can maybe give you 18 a night against an elite defense. And if that becomes the case this season, if you become a 14 to 19 point scorer twice a week, wow. rather than once a month, yeah, you know now now you're looking at a legit option that becomes your number three option on most nights, and maybe some nights can be your number two option, and that's a big deal right now for what Patrick Williams is trying to accomplish. Hey man, have a great rest of your day. We appreciate you. Enjoy the night. Thanks, boys. Appreciate you. You're Thank the best. you, Adam. There he is, Adam Amin. Tracy Butler in studio with Weekend Weather. Next. David Kaplan. Jonathan Hood. Welcome, fans. This is Cap and Jay Hood on ESPN 1000 and streaming on the new ESPN Chicago app. Tracy Butler is here. We've got beautiful weather today again. Tracy, you are getting like eight gold stars a day. Thank you, Tracy. You're welcome. Thank you very much for today. You're welcome, gentlemen. Yes. Thanks for the sunshine. Oh, my gosh. I love this studio so much. I swear if I could be in here and do weather all the time, <laughs> I would because it is freezing in that studio. Are you unplugged, by the way? I am. Okay, just checking. <laughs> <laughs> make sure. I'm gonna make sure. I don't want this bleeding over into the Channel Seven. Gotta check on you because sometimes you forget. I have. Yeah. There have been times. Okay. But no, I am. I have. I have no ABC Seven official microphones on my person right now. Okay. Nice. That's good. So what are we looking at for the weekend? Okay. So I, I don't know about you, gentlemen, but a lot of people are saying I need some rain. It seemed like that's all we were talking about in the spring. Mm -hmm. Their lawns are getting crunchy. All the beautiful flowers they planted are droopy. Okay, from midnight to 4 a.m., they can have all the rain they want. (laughs) Well, you know what? That may actually happen. So Saturday morning, there will be some showers around. I don't see much more than maybe a tenth of an inch, however, accumulating Saturday morning. But it does look like some timing of a few thunderstorms is overnight Saturday into Sunday. I think most of the weekend should be okay. Sunday looks beautiful and refreshing. But we got another 90-degree day tomorrow, which I know you love. So awesome. I Mm -hmm. know. I'm very, very happy about that. And I just love the sun. And I want to ask you, are you a green thumb also with this weather? I am not. You don't have plants around? Oh, we do. Okay, you don't have like the Munster's house, right? Where it's just dark, <laughs> dreary and dark. Everyone else has sunshine. It's dreary and dark over the butler household. <laughs> the butler cabin. <laughs> the butler weather cabin. Mm-hmm. Um, I My husband is our landscaper, basically. Really? Yeah. No, wow. he, he is so good with that. He is so meticulous. Uh, I say I pull one weed a year. That's it. Um, I wish JR could say the same. (laughs) Wow. Go ahead. You were saying? I was saying, no, but my husband, honest to goodness, he just has uh, that Midas touch when it comes to flora in in our yard. It really does. It's amazing. And his dad was really exceptional with that, too. 
You know what's great in my neighborhood? They just resodded right in front of my building, and then all the dogs pee on it. It's already destroyed. It's been out there for like a month. <laughs> okay, can I just tell you? So my husband created this area of rocks, and he gets so mad if we don't take the dog specifically Bailey? to that area. Bailey, yes, to that area. Otherwise, it's going to burn the grass. That's right. That's right. It's about nature. We have a, we have a mulch area our dogs go in. And they know to go there. They do. It's gold-plated, of course, because it's the capitals. <laughs> you keep that in mind. We, we don't have gold-plated rocks. Yeah. But no. So she, you, you have to guide her over that way. But I have a question. Yes. Could you give like a little primer on, if it says it's going to be 0.14 inches of rain, is that a lot of rain? It's not. Okay. And you know what? To put that into context, like for folks out there who are wondering, do I need to water? Do I not? We really need an inch of rain per week mm-hmm. for our shrubs and our plants and our lawns. How about that? And, and we really haven't had, you know, we've we've had these individual cells that have produced that much. But as far as a widespread good soaker, you know, we haven't had that for a bit of time. So you're going to start. And and as I look at the extended outlook, it does look like we're headed into some more of a drought pattern than a wet pattern. Love it. Yeah. The point one four wasn't for the rain. It was about the weed he's going to smoke when he goes to Ravinia. <laughs> oh, my God. I want to find out from the, you know. Weed. Yeah. You want to see. And also yeah. the DUI he's going to get tonight. Oh, my is, gosh. Is point one four? Is that, you know, is that good or not? That's is what that it's like He's calling his call service. No, Come on, I'm going man. to play golf right now. Oh, Nice. What a life. Oh, yeah. I'm going to Bolingbrook. Yes. I I I, love it there. That's a great track. It's a great, great. I'm playing nine, so all I have time for, and then I have to go back to work. Yeah. He'll be taking a nap. I'll be at work again. Yeah. Well, it's south. Don't get lost. (laughs) It's actually west. Uh, South of me. Tracy, have a great day. Yes. Always. We appreciate you. Thank you. You are always radiant when you come in this studio. Oh, what's he want? I know uh, exactly. It's always something. It's an angle. <laughs> Hoodie, I'll see you tomorrow. Yes, sir. Jay, JR, you're off tomorrow. Beat it. Uh, we've got Charlie and Jake tomorrow. So you guys have a great weekend. We're With back. those two in the shape. We're back tomorrow at 7 a.m. with laughs and fun and sports and get something done, Bulls. Take that. So long, everybody from Chicago. Bye, Tracy.